Hello everyone, today's topic is I'm a Scrum Master, how do I facilitate team engagement for success? We'd like to give a warm welcome to our presenter today, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Dr. Dave Cornelius is a value delivery leader at BioRad Laboratories. He influences cross-functional teams to deliver amazing quality products to delight customers. Dr. Dave is the founder of the Five Saturdays program that empowers high school students through agility and innovation by providing learning experiences in technology and lean business. He is the author of the book, Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way, an innovator of the game Agility Leadership. Dr. Dave produces a podcast on iTunes and Google Play titled Null Share with Dr. Dave and can be found hosted on grokshare.com. With that, let's learn something new and exciting that you can use at work immediately. Go ahead, Dr. Dave. Well, when, oh, uh, boy, I was about to say buenos dias. Hi, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, welcome. Uh, welcome, welcome. Okay. Goodio, goodio. Right, let me get down to the screen that I need to be so I could uh, begin. So let's just go ahead and I would like to say everyone who's attending today, welcome. I hope you guys are having a great day wherever you are. And we're going to talk about the role of the Scrum Master. And so let me just give you some insights into the Scrum Master's role. And we can think of the Scrum Master, and they facilitate the team practice of lean thinking and agile tenet by using the Scrum framework. You know, while operating in this role without authority is difficult, can lead to questions of worth to the value delivered. The Scrum Master role is important for the outcome of team harmony and to enable self-organization. If people with diverse skills work in this role and do not necessarily have to be a domain expert in any specific discipline. So, for example, the Scrum Master does not have to be a technical expert to help a software team use Scrum to be successful. The key is the facilitation skills that enables flow between the Scrum ceremonies and activities during the development of a product. Fundamentally, if the Scrum Master demonstrates the attributes of a servant leader, the team receives greater value. One thing that I want to tell you and to be aware of is that the Scrum Master is not a project manager. You know, however, a person with project management training may participate as a Scrum Master, but must pursue the ways of a Scrum Master, much like a Jedi must pursue the way of the Force. Well, welcome. Um, Scrum Master provides great value um, to each product, and the key things that they're involved with is removing impediments that blocks the team from success. Um, part of their effort and activities is to help the team engage in, in ceremonies that are of value. So they do daily stand-ups, they do sprint reviews and retrospectives, just to name a few. Um, they protect the team from distractions and, and complacency, and they help the team use agile values and principles as a guide. So in our topics today, we're going to cover the Agile values and principles. We'll talk about the Scrum Master and the value that the Scrum Master provides um, to the team and the organization. Um, they have also very key um, support activities that helps the team to be self-organizing and really optimize themselves. So learning objective, we'll talk about some of the Scrum framework so you can see what that looks like if you've never seen Scrum before. This is just going to be a high-level um, insight for you. Um, we'll talk, get into the Scrum Master's role and how they help the organization and teams to really 
achieve the maximum output. And finally, it's just the benefits of the Scrum Master as a role. So there's four values that the, um, the Agile principle um, really stated about, they, they really wrote this in, in 2001. And so they have four core values and they talk about individuals and interactions over processes and tools. They look at working products over comprehensive documentation, um, customer collaboration over contract negotiation and responding to change over following a plan. So now the interesting thing is, is that the word over and so in, in essence, what they're saying that is while there's a value in the items on the right, which is to the right of over, we value the items on the left more. Now, this is very important because in traditional project management, we look at more for processes and tools versus the importance of individuals and interaction. Um, we try to set up more co contract negotiations versus trying to collaborate more with our customers. And we set up a big project schedule and we try to follow that as opposed to being able to respond to change in a very dynamic way. And yes, heavy documentation over working products. So one thing I want you guys to, to not miss in this is that even though there, there's a context that says we value the items on the left more, it does not mean the items on the, the, the right are diminished. They're just not as important. I just want to make sure that we get that point across and everyone kind of understands that. Um, so also there are 12 huge principles, which I, I think I'm not going to read all of them. I'll just probably just talk about the ones that I, I think that I like to hold on to um, that are, to me, I think is the most important. Um, and I think all of them are really important, but I, I think that the things that really stand out to me when I look at these 12 guiding principles is that principle number five, where we support, trust, and motivate the people involved. And looking at that from a scrum master, um, that's really important to, to bring that forward. Um, now principle number eight, where agile processes support a consistent uh, development pace, where we could have a sustaining pace of work without getting burnt out. So, um, and the, the, the number 10 is also really important in terms of simplifying things in the context that we could get things done without creating too much difficulties in, in getting things done. And I like number 12 as well, which we look at regular reflection, how to become more effective. So continual learning. So if, if I had to pick four out of the 12 uh, principles, I like number five, number eight, number 10, and number 12. And, you know, you should go to, um, you know, you should look this information up on and in the look for um, the Agile values and Agile principles. Um, if you get, get a chance just to, to read about it and see what's, what's out there, um, you know, how many translations they've done in other languages throughout the world as well. So the Scrum framework, when we think of it, I, I think of it in a simple way, um, much like Deming did. Um, I changed it to say plan, do, inspect, adapt, as opposed to plan, do, check, act. Um, this is really where we could begin to understand that the teams are making commitment to get work done. And really everyone in the team has a voice and they cont contribute to the outcome. So the way it works is that we, be we begin by if you if you were at my uh, webinar last time, we talked about the product owner. So we begin with the product owner planning and prioritizing a backlog of work, where you can see the product backlog um, over here, 
with the stickies. Now, at this point, now the product owner and the scrum master and the team, they get involved and they start to discuss about what work can they commit to within a given period of time. And when we think of sprints, sprints are normally about two weeks long, but the recommendation um, is between one to four weeks in, in duration. The most common is two weeks. And so the team spend time discussing the, the prioritized work and decide, they decide based on the priorities, what can they get done based on their capacity, their available capacity. Um, then they get into the cycle of making sure that they could execute and deliver the value that the customer needs. At the end of it, they come back and they inspect and adapt. And so if you notice that number four, we talked about inspect and adapt would um, really correlate to us taking time to reflect, One, the, the principle number 12, to reflect on the work that, that gets done. Um, so you can see this key, these key four activities help the team and the scrum master helps to facilitate this to ensure that they can provide the greatest value to customers. So they plan and prior, prioritize, they discuss and commit, they execute and deliver and inspect and adapt. Now, the Scrum Master provides some great values to the team. Um, they help teams use the Scrum framework. Um, and we just talked about the framework that we just demonstrated where we have a, a prioritized backlog. Um, they re remove impediments that block teams from success. Um, and so there are many impediments when you have a team trying to build software or even build any product where if they have interactions with others, there's work that needs to be done. We look at number three, where they facilitate ceremonies. Um, so th there are things that we call a daily scrum and the daily scrums are really simple. It's like, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? And what are the things that are blocking me from success? And, and retrospectives are another ceremonies where we take a look back and said, what went well? What didn't go well? And what do we need to improve? Very simple questions. But if you spend the time, if the Scrum Master does, did a great job of facilitating this activity, it really helps the team to really reflect into work that they're doing on a daily basis. So there's this constant communication and interaction with the teams. And also at the end, they said, okay, we're finished after two week sprint. This is what we've done. And, and how did we do? You know, how are we doing? And how will we get better from that? Um, one of the things that, that happens a lot with teams is that there are distractions, distractions in the team, distractions outside of the team. And the scrum master needs to ensure that the teams are not distracted by other demands for their time and energy. Um, sometimes teams become really good at this and then they become complacent. Hey, you know, we have done great work for quite some time now. We don't need to do and push ourselves as much. And so that is critical for the scrum master to say, yes, great, you, you provided you know, a certain amount of value. Now let's see if we could go a bit more. I mean, maybe increase by 1%, maybe increase by 10%, but that's an opportunity for the teams to commit to you know, those type of requests. Um, and basically it helps the team to just get through those values and principles. And, and it's not really get through, well, let me restate that. It's more that it allows the teams to really embody those values and principles because they're really important. And if the teams begin to think in those, in terms of those values and principles, it makes it easier for them to um, be able to get respond to change. 
Now, the, the Scrum Master has an ecosystem, a place where they get to hang out and, and interact with others. And it begins with the collaboration with the product owner and at times where they could help them with the Scrum framework and, and practices, but also with helping them to refine the backlog. They become a person who could provide advice and guidance in, in terms of the backlog and how it's defined. Now, th there's certain things called dependencies that everyone knows that if you're building software, you're building any products, you have a dependency in others. Um, we have a meeting called a Scrum of Scrums, and that Scrum of Scrums is really where you have a dialogue between two teams, right, and, or the leaders of those two teams. It could be multiple Scrum masters gathering to understand what are the dependencies that we have that could impact each other. And they have that dialogue, and that meeting is really short. It's 15 minutes long. And if there's anything more to discuss outside of that, then you could have an additional meeting. But the point of that 15-minute meeting is to really get together and describe dependencies and risks. Now, the, the Scrum Master also plays a, a critical role in sharing knowledge and facilitate certain meetings with the stakeholders, like the Sprint Review, um, where they begin to provide input and insights um, into sometimes what's going on. In the sprint review, the scrum master is more, in a, is more in a facilitative role, but there are also sometimes where the scrum master may need to connect with um, stakeholders and give them more feedback, different types of metrics. And also the scrum master is a coach. They provide coaching for development teams to make sure that they are aligned and they're embodying the scrum framework and its values and principles. Now, when I look at who are great candidates for Scrum Masters, so servant leadership, people who provide servant leadership, people who are willing to serve others and to ensure that they can be successful in their endeavors. Also, they make sure that they facilitate engagement through the Scrum process. And if you have ever had an opportunity to observe or participate, you would find out that in the Scrum framework and its process, there's a tremendous amount of engagement and, and interaction between team members and even between other teams to ensure things can get done. And it needs some level of facilitation for that to happen. Um, they remove impediments, things that are really blocking the team from success. And active listening is really a critical part of this because since you're not empowered or, or you're not in this person in a power, a power position of power, you know, you have to be able to understand what people are asking for and, and understand their needs and wants and to be able to translate that into actions that would help to remove impediments and really help them to provide the greatest value. Now, there's a series of certifications that are available for a Scrum Master. And so the Scrum Alliance has the certified Scrum Masters, the CSM. Um, SAFE has their SAFE Scrum Master and their, their SAFE Advanced Scrum Master. Um, PMI has the Agile Certified Professional, the PMI ACP. Scrum.org has uh, the Professional Scrum Master, one, two, three. You know, IC, IC Agile has the Agile Project Manager. Um, so, as you can see, there are several certification bodies. Um, these are different tests that you could take. Well, for CSM, you need to go through a couple of days worth of training. I think the same thing with PMI ACP and the same thing with SAFE um, and, and IC Agile. 
so there are just great opportunities for you could where you could get out to these organizations, learn more about how you could become a scrum master and certified, and especially a certified scrum master. Now let's let's look at um, a simple question. So we group and interact today, and we're going to ask these simple questions. You know, we want to identify the people in the scrum master in the scrum master ecosystem. So is it A, other teams, B, stakeholders, C, product owners, D, development team, or E, all of the, the above, who participate in the Scrum Master ecosystem? So the importance of, of this ecosystem is that you could see that there are many different stakeholders or many different groups who need the support and help of the Scrum Master. Um, the Scrum Master makes it really, e it makes it a lot easier if they can facilitate how those groups interact um, and really listen to what their needs are and, and help to support their group. So how, did we, how are we doing, Alexa? Ah, everyone is, is listening. So yes, all of the above. The Scrum Master e ecosystem consists of other teams, stakeholders, product owners, and the dev team. So let's move on. Now, one thing that when we look at the, the product, um, the Scrum Master and their engagement is that we're looking at the mindset of how do we measure, evaluate, own, and respond. And they're really helping the team to do this. Um, and so what we like to get to is where the Scrum Master is really facilitating and enabling the team to take on this type of practice. Um, they, we want the teams to really be more responsive to focus on measuring, you know, outcomes that are actionable. I know some people like to, that we use this measurement in the scrum practice of story points and some people, you know, hang their hats in that. Uh, for me, uh, as I'm coaching teams, my focus is less on story points and more on how many stories are you actually creating? And I, I and even, even like to go to another level above that is how many features are you really building? Um, if you recall from the last time, um, the structure of, of how we organize work is that we have epics, which are really big, we have features, and then we have stories. And so, and then story points, it's, it's really just a reflection of size and effort or sometimes just, you know, a, a relative sizing that, that's used. But I like to measure outcomes that are actionable. We help the teams to, to evaluate to determine next steps. So if we made a commitment to complete five stories in a sprint and we only did one, you know, we have to take a step back and say, well, what happened? And this is how we leverage retrospective as a ceremony for us to really reflect and said, what went well, what did not work? and what needs to improve. So if we only did one and we committed to five, there's an improvement needed there. And this is the work of where the Scrum Master helped to evaluate and work with the teams to evaluate, what do we do next? The other thing is, is that the Scrum Master helped the teams to own the tough situation because really they made the commitment to get that work done. And it's really their job to speak up if they have impediment, impediments in the daily Scrum. Um, if they're having difficulties, if they don't understand something and they need more support from the product owner or some other team. And so you try to make sure that the teams take ownership of this level of work. 
Now, we want the teams to respond with innovation. You know, think of different ways of how we get out of some of these tough positions as where we're building software, building products. The role of the, the scrum master also is, you know, when things are, are, are good and bad, you know, we have to encourage the team. And, and so we have to look at what are the strengths are of the team. And so the scrum master is constantly evaluating through the daily scrum, through observations, through um, the sprint review, through retrospective, what are the strengths of the team? Um, how do we give them feedback if needed to make sure that it's constructive and it's more helping them to find a path forward as opposed to you know, tearing them down. Um, we help the teams to, to discover how to learn fast and not get stuck. And we encourage to take some risks, take some small risks. Um, it's okay to fail in the, in the practice of Agile, but we want you to learn fast. And when we say learn fast is that, okay, yes, we just failed. So what did we learn from that? And how can we not repeat the same mistake again, or, or, or go through that same experience again. So it's important that we look at experiences, evaluate them, and take ownership, and come up with an, an, an innovative way of responding. Um, we use metrics, and we just talked about measuring for outcomes. So we want to use metrics that show growth areas, areas that we could grow into, or areas that we could become better. Um, so it's really important that the, the scrum master continues to encourage the teams to, when they're in good times or bad times, celebrate the good times and celebrate the bad times. Um, so it's always time for a celebration. Now the scrum master also protects the team. Um, we manage disruption from non-team members, but I, also, I would also say that we also manage disruption from team members because that is also a possibility. Um, where someone within the team can be very disruptive and there are actions that we may need to take as a scrum master where it could be you know, a dialogue with that person. It could be a dialogue with the team and that person, which sometimes it's, it's a lot better so that it becomes a team thing. Um, and then help those individuals to either A, find a way forward within the team or B, find a way out of the team. That's also acceptable. Um, but also just to let you know, the, the scrum master does not have the authority to kick anyone off a team. They have the ability to influence um, the ch that change, but they do not have the authority to kick anyone off a team. Um, we want to make sure that we limit work to the team's capacity and their constraints. Because if a, if a person could only do so much work within an eight-hour period, you, do, you try to say, hey, do not try to take on 12 hours worth of work within a day. You know, because basically you have meetings, you have different activities that are going on, you, have, you need to have time to think and innovate. So we try to manage the capacity in such a way that um, in, in my practice, I said you have about 6.5 hours per day of, of, of actual valid work time. And some people may go down and say, well, you know, sometimes it's only just six or five hours and, and that's okay too. But you have to at least understand that there are constraints and people have limits and, and we should recognize that and make sure that the team are not trying to take on way more than they're capable of. And that's a good thing about Agile. You get to, to look, if you're measuring appropriately, you get to look at what we call a velocity. How much work can a team build throughout each sprint? And then you start to understand constraints.
we need to guard against complacency. And, and this is really easy to do. I've worked with teams of very experienced and senior people where they get to a certain point and then, oh, we don't want to do stand-ups. Oh, we don't need to do retrospectives. Oh, we don't need to do sprint reviews anymore. And we get out of the good habit. They forget what got us there in the first place for us to be a great, highly productive team. And, and that happens. I mean, I, hey, when I'm working out, you know, I, I forget about that. You know, how did I lose 10 pounds? Well, yeah, I got up and did the exercise. And w- when I stopped doing that, then the 10 pounds returned. Like, wow, yeah, just got to reflect on that. And we remove impediments to progress, making sure that we can move forward. So this, this is the great work of a scrum master, and they're facilitating the team's success. Um, we believe that continual learning is, is important um, in order for teams to get better important to, you know, in, encourage, you know, growth through new learning skills. And, you know, a common thing that, that I've instituted where I am currently is a two-hour learning Friday. Uh, two-hour learning Friday, people may look at that like, geez, two hours per week. Yeah, it's, it's really important to help teams find a space where they can learn together as a team or they can learn as individuals. Um, I have one person who is go to Toastmasters to work on his leadership and communication skills. So it doesn't have to be limited to just work within the office, but it should be knowledge that can help that individual or team to become better. Sometimes we have individuals who come in and speak about different topics, or even people from teams will present to a greater body of people sharing new knowledge. Um, We want to create an environment to get better at agility you know, how do we inspect and adapt with, through different constraints, um, different challenges that, that we may encounter? And how do we take, a, you know, this, a step back and said, okay, let's think of how we're going to solve this problem and come up with innovative ways of doing that. And this is just not limited to the team because one thing that we miss often is that we sometimes forget about the middle managers. If we forget about the directors and the, the, the VPs that we have to, as a scrum master, continue to f- build and facilitate an environment that allow those individuals to also see the value of, of Agile and also take on and embody those values and principles as well. So that's a great opportunity for a scrum master to get beyond the teams and to get into the organization. And that's where you become from, you go from being a team coach to where you, you become more of an enterprise coach. Um, we have to look at what works for the team because often one size does not fit all and, and there are lots of different ideas and, and um, different guidance in, in how to apply scrum and, and agility, but look at what works for the team to help them to own that and build their own culture. And yeah, I love learning communities. I, I think it's important that as we build these communities within the organization that people have an opportunity to play back what they've learned to others. Now, we have a series of, well, I've been talking about these um, scrum ceremonies that, that, that they have. So a retrospective is nothing more than, like I said, what went well, what did not go well, and what can we change? And we do that at the end of every sprint. And, and this helps the team to learn. Now you, you select one thing, and this is my approach. I said, every team, take one thing that you want to improve over the next sprint. So if we went through a retrospective and we found 10 different things that we found that did not go well, we would go like, okay, let's pick one. 
you know, and as a team, they decide which one thing they th they think would be the most important that would help them to get better for, um, by executing that in the next sprint. I also think of what's what are one thing that you've done really well that you want to amplify and ask them to select that as well. So the teams are in, in continual learning mode of how to get better. On the daily stand-up, it's also, we call it daily scrums. People and teams come together and they look at, um, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? And what what's what impediments, what's blocking me from success? So now everyone is, is open and we're standing up. This is a 15 minute meeting, um, much like the retrospective is a little longer and the retrospective could be anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes. I like a 90 minute retrospective. It gives you enough time to really soak in. Um, we have sprint planning. And if you want to, if you remember from the the framework that I showed for for Scrum, sprint planning is where the team decide exactly how much work can I get done within um, a specific sprint, which is normally two weeks. And if there are any questions that I could ask to product owner to provide clarity and context for me. Um, the sprint review is that meeting that we come back and we said, hey, look, look at what we've done. Um, and that's a review where we demonstrate work to our stakeholders and our customers and they get to provide feedback on the work that we have completed. But also important is in that sprint review, you know, we also have metrics that we could demonstrate and look at the progress that we're making. And it's not just for the, the, the customers, it's for the teams as well, so that they may have pride and ownership in the work that they have done. Um, Scrum of Scrums is really huge if you have multiple teams who need to interact with each other. Um, if you are building um, some software and you need a database, um, you may have to have the integration with the, the, the DBA. Um, if you have some level of deployments, which you always have to do, um, you may have certain restrictions that you may have on IT operations teams that you may have to integrate with. Or perhaps you're working on a systems where um, you have to share information with another team and there's some integration that you have to work that out. So we have a scrum of scrums, that's 15 minutes long. Um, also the sprint review is um, normally about uh, an hour. We try to keep it to that and sprint planning, you know, we try to minimize that to one to two hours. And we also have release planning of when we're gonna release things um, out to our customers and that's roughly about an hour. So as you can see, there's these different ceremonies and I didn't list all of them because there's also grooming that, that takes place in there um, where there's at least you know, seven or, or more different ceremonies that are done throughout a two week sprint um, that helps the team to really stay on top of what's going on. People are really locked in for two weeks, very important. Now, I love the, the Reflect to Grow, which is really a retrospective, which helps them to learn fast, right? I think this is very important. Uh, we celebrate what's really going well. Um, we always investigate what needs to improve, and we decide what to change. And this is a team decision, and the Scrum Master is facilitating how we get there. I, I think retrospectives, in my opinion, is one of the most important ceremonies that team teams could really execute throughout a sprint. Now let's go into our group, group interaction and see where we are, how are we doing? Um, so we wanna look at the Scrum Master helps the team by removing impediments. Is this A, true, B, false? I mean, what actions really help the Scrum Master 
um, how, what action does the Scrum Master take to help the team to by removing impediments? Is that truly true? And so when we look at all of the various ceremonies that are going on with teams, the Scrum Masters are constantly looking for a way, ways to say, like, what impediments do we have? Is there something that we could help the team overcome? Um, so let's see what, ah, oh, yes, wonderful. The team, yes, the Scrum Master helps the team by removing impediments. That is true. So let's move on. Trust, build trust. Trust is huge. Yeah, it's something that um, we need in our daily lives with, with how we deal with people, but it's really important for teams as they interact with each other as well. Um, trust, it, it, when we deliver in, in commitments, it helps to build trust with our stakeholders. It helps to build trust among each other within a team as well. Um, as the Scrum Master is working through the facilitation, um, it ha they have to facilitate relationship and collaboration. You know, conflict comes up all the time with teams. Teams are always struggling for, for various reasons. Now, this is a great opportunity for um, the Scrum Master to step in and facilitate how do they, in, you know, what are the best ways for people to discover an effective way for interacting and sometimes that comes through playing different games and asking powerful questions and allowing the team the, the individuals or to themselves to figure that out um it's, it's not for the scrum master just to really dictate a, a specific path but it's to really help team members to find that path by going through some lessons of discovery um great thing is is that the Scrum Master also helps to lead the team's integration into the organization because oftentimes, you know, we start off with um, an initiative to do Agile and we may do it in one software group. Well, you know, how amazing would it be to be able to demonstrate to the rest of the organization and different departments the work that's being done? It's almost like a form of marketing. And they, the Scrum Master has a great opportunity to connecting with the rest of the organization and said, look, here's great things of how we're collaborating, how we're interacting, how we're delivering value in a very consistent way, how we're removing impediments and, and, and really minimizing risk and waste to the organization. So there's a great opportunity. Um, they also help to, with the, the team's journey to achieve sprint goals. Because at the beginning of every sprint, we have this activity called sprint planning. Then we start to identify these are the things that we want to achieve. And it's really by removing those impediment and really setting the teams up and, and ensuring that they are not complacent, that they can move forward and become better in the process. And most important is being a champion for the team. You know, it's 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 really a great thing when a scrum master could step up and really get out there and, and really protect our team and be out there being a, a great champion and a cheerleader, a cheerleader for that team as well. There's certain other lean thinking type of, of ideas that the Scrum Master embodies about maximized value, right? And when so delivering um, goals committed for the customer, um, they help the teams to do that because the Scrum Master doesn't build software. They may build goodwill, but they do not build software. And so oftentimes they're there to help the team to um, really 
get you providing those um, committed features or, or stories so that this customer could get value as frequently as possible. Um, working with the POs, so sometimes the POs have a blind spot and they need to sometimes provide a smaller increment of work uh, for the teams because you know, sometimes a product owner is not, have never done software development or certain level of product development. They may understand markets and may not understand how to um, essentially actually do the building. So product, uh, a scrum master also could help the product owner to refine their backlog. Um, meeting with stakeholders are critical. Um, oftentimes we forget that a lot of stakeholders, we crash into their world every two weeks um, with here, here's what we're done. And, and so a scrum master could help to ease, you know, the achievements of the teams and represent that, you know, to the stakeholders as more of an intro, an opening, and even to help the teams themselves to get to the point where they're able to do that on their own. And harmony is really important. As when you do teamwork, um, when teams are not working well together, it creates disruption and that disruption can be very expensive and very costly. Now, we want to minimize waste. This is another lean thinking principle. Um, we don't want to do things that are that are that doesn't add value. So you try to minimize those um, as much as you can, building quality into the delivery process. And, you know, in the old days, I shouldn't even call it the old days, but when we use a traditional uh, product delivery mechanism where we have one team building and one team testing, right? And we're throwing things over the wall. You know, we're not building quality in. I mean, if you integrate those two teams to work together and collaborate, now quality is built in because you're planning together, you're reviewing the work, you're, you're looking at, you know, how do we bring quality early versus looking at it at the very end? And in that way, we have quality throughout the process because we're, as we're, going through the process of thinking and defining the work um, and looking at the requirements, we're thinking about quality then. As we're building, we're looking at quality. When we're finished, we're looking at quality. So that is just a constant part of our practice, which helps us to minimize waste. Um, it also helps us to reduce rework of finished items because quality is built in. Um, and we get to start looking at, hey, how much new features do we really need versus technical debt? And I bring technical debt up because um, it happens. Even, even with the teams that have the greatest um, quality software, we're gonna have technical debt. It's just you know, par for the course. It just happens. And, and it, it could be just a shift in technology that all of a sudden you're out of compliance and you have to go in and make sure that your software is up to snuff or else you may create a, a security hole. So it's really creating that balance and helping the product owner to understand that it's important to, to, to make sure that we balance between features and technical debt. Um, the third um, lean thing that I think that is important for um, the scrum masters to enable effective flow. Right. Um, I mean, if you're getting to, if you have ever walked in or had the experience of being in an effective flow state, you know, it's really awesome where you're able to deal with change. You're able to, you know, provide value. You'd be able to identify risk areas. You know, integration with people is really great. I mean, this is the thing that we talk about effective flow where 
you're helping the teams to embrace change and it does not create a tremendous amount of friction. Um, it, all of the, the ability to communicate well with, with individuals and teams, you know, that's happening and we're, we're not having miscommunications. Um, work is well prioritized. We know exactly what's the number one thing and what's the number 10th thing to do. And we're not working on the 10th thing versus the number one. We're doing number one first and then number two. So flow is happening. Um, our customers are engaged. You're aware of what's going on. Now, courage, it's, you know, it's one of those things that people really ever speak about in, in the agile practice. But yeah, I mean, courage is important. Um, and a lot of time as a scrum master, you need that to be able to direct people and direct teams to, you know, get to the place of, of the greatest value. Um, sometimes you have to say no to requests that may harm the team. You may have to say that to the PO is no, we can't do that. That is, that is not, you know, the maximum thing that we could do right now. Um, and also you may encourage the team to be able to say no. Um, no, we can't do that because that's way beyond our capacity and we're, we're, we're going to fail. And so why create a failure point and create waste when you could really stand up and say, let's think of a different way of approaching this. So saying no, is really important. And, and it's hard to say oftentimes in most organizations, um, being able to tell the team when things are not really going well. You know, geez, guys, we're struggling here. We need to get better at this. So let's work together to figure out what, how to get there. Um, sometimes it's removing an unproductive team member. Um, you know, this is where oftentimes team members have um, managers, line managers, and where you have to build rapport and relationship with those managers and said, how can we help Johnny to get better in, in a certain areas, you know, right now it's really, he's been really unproductive and it's really been disruptive to the team. So we may need to find a way of um, coaching that individual outside of the team so that they could be the most productive that they can be and not disrupt the team. And really just dealing with unplanned daily activities that happens and you know, how do we respond to change and get that done? So here's our third group interaction. So we, the Scrum Master helps the team to minimize waste when there's a balance in features and technical debt. Is this A, true? Is this B, false? Often, most organizations, they, they want to build new things. Let's keep building, keep adding new things. But often, they're unwilling to look at technical debt and really step in and say that we have to create capacity and awareness to really address technical debt. Um, wow, people are come back already. This is awesome. So the Scrum Master helps the team to minimize waste when there's a balance in features and technical debt. Well, A, true, 97% says that is true and that is true. Let's keep moving along. So let's summarize what, what you learned today on the knowledge that I've shared with you today is that the Scrum Masters, um, they facilitate team progress. Uh, they remove impediments that limit success. They build trust with other teams and the PO and even within the team themselves. They own the Scrum process and they support uh, creative engaging teams. 
And this is a, a huge responsibility for an individual to take on, to not have, a, it's not be in a position of authority, but be in a position of influence where they can influence the team and others to get better and achieve the goals of the organization. So do we have any questions at this time that I may be able to answer based on um, the information that I just shared? Uh, yes, so we do have a few questions. Um, okay. This one is, I see a scrum practice useful only in software development activities. Can you please expand on that? Well, I, I think that's a false assumption. Um, you could, there are many organizations who are using scrum and, and variations of scrum, um, you know, in marketing, in HR, um, in, in certain operational activities. I mean, you could use it in nonprofits. Uh, I mean, it's just a framework. And, and if you could, everyone has work to do. And, and the best thing to do is to know what, know the priority of the work that has to, to get done. I mean, it's, it's interesting. People have used Scrum as a framework to plan a Thanksgiving dinner for a large family and even to, to do it in the community themselves when they're trying to feed maybe a thousand people. And, and so what's the priority? You know, what are the things that we have to get done to ensure that we could feed a thousand people during Thanksgiving? Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, that's a backlog. Now, I could put a, a group of people together who are going to make that meal, prepare the room, and you could go on and on and, and getting to see the flow of work where people are planning. And so maybe my sprint isn't two weeks. Maybe my sprint is one day. Right? And, and you could do that, just to let you know you have the permission to do that. Oh, your sprint is just one week. Um, so there's a flexibility in, in being able to use the framework to solve any problem and deliver any value. Um, and also, you can also modify, do small changes to, to the framework to suit what you're doing, just to let you know. Great. So we have a couple more. Um, I have no, mm -hmm. no experience or knowledge of Scrum. Can you please give me an example of metrics to be used? Um, the key thing that I look at is in, in Scrum as metrics is um, committed versus delivered. And so, like I said, we have things, I mean, I think people know what features are. I mean, if, if, I, if I'm building a car, a car has a door, it has a seat, you know, th those things are, are themselves features of the car. Um, so one thing, if you make a commitment to get a certain number of features done, you plan that. Now, at the end of the, the, the time box, which is what we call a sprint, let's call it two weeks, um, how many did I really deliver? I, I committed to doing 10, I delivered one. Uh, you know, that's not a very good ratio, right? I mean, it, that's only 10%. I mean, if I com committed to doing 10 and I delivered 10, that's 100%. So you could begin to see what actions that are needed by just a simple metrics like that. Um, so that's one thing that I look at. The other metric that I look at is the number of defects that are being produced, you know, quality. If I'm producing lots of defects, it means that I have lots of rework, which means I'm creating lots of waste, right? And I'm walking into a lean principle of minimizing waste, which impacts my flow and really diminish the amount of value that I could provide to a customer. So as you can see, those two key metrics is just really, you know, how effective am I being with producing quality uh, value for my customers? 
Great, this one says, do you see Scrum in conflict with traditional project management, especially when PM is plan it all out versus the engineering deciding what they do, uh, what to do as they go? Um, there is a conflict um, because there are two different ways of thinking. Um, you know, having the experience of being a traditional project manager, yeah, we try to get the teams to plan out the work from start to end which really doesn't make any sense. Um, it's okay to have milestones. Uh, and they said every month or every quarter, we would like to hit these milestones, but they're just milestones and they shouldn't be defined by a, a project manager or anyone else who's not doing the work. People may look at the broad picture and said, we wanna build a car. Okay, well, how do we, you know, after we go through some level of design, you know, how do we really build a car and how would we really build that on a daily basis? So the people who are doing that work is best equipped to provide that input. And doing it in an incremental fashion gives you an opportunity to respond to change. Um, and if there are impediments, you could take care of those things right away versus, you know, in my experience, you know, working as a traditional PM is that we would build all of the software and then throw it over the wall to QA and then QA would send it back and back and forth. And essentially, next thing you know, time is up and we're over budget, right? We've under delivered and customers are unhappy in, in the scrum and agile way. We have the ability to engage our customers frequently because you know what's really interesting is that I, I remember those days when we would you know have customers come in maybe every three months you know now we have customers who can come in every two weeks that's a huge difference to get that level of feedback frequently to make the right adjustments as needed to be successful and a follow-up uh, question to what you just answered is, isn't that in conflict with stakeholder planning, budgets, and vision? And how do you rec uh, rec reconcile that reality? Well, stakeholder, budget, vision, and planning, I mean, everything is driven from a vision, right? I mean, the stakeholders may have a vision of, of what they may want to accomplish, you know, and hopefully they've done their due diligence by talking to the customers. And if that's the case, we know customers are not static, right? So if a customer, if a series of stakeholders have a vision of what they want to get done based on customer feedback and input, then it's easy for the teams to look at, you know, what is the budget to do that? Because you could do, if you have 10 people working in your organization and they're full-time employees, you know exactly what it's going to cost for the year for those employees, right? I mean, if you have 10 people at $100, you know, I mean, and I'm just being ridiculous about that. So, you know, let's call it $1,000. That's what, it, what it's going to cost you operationally from, from a budget perspective. If you're going to augment those people's, um, those individuals with additional consultants, then perhaps you set up a 25% or so, you know, amount of dollars that you want to put in there. But that, that is your budget. These are fixed resources, right? I mean, and given their capacity, I mean, that's all you could build. And so it, at some point, the leaders, if they're good leaders, they would really take a realistic view of that and go like, ah, this is what I have. This is what the constraint is. If I want more, I could buy more capacity by paying more money to have more consultants. But it's in my best interest to have frequent 
frequent interactions and feedback from the team so that I know exactly where I am. So I'm not waiting nine months to know that I'm not going to make it. You know, if I could look at this every two weeks, I know exactly what's going on. You know, even if I skip and I go every other sprint just to, to check in as a stakeholder to say, oh, let, let me see where they are and what, what am I really getting value? To me, that's really being responsible. Um, throwing it over the wall and said, go build this and, and I'll come back and talk to you in nine months. I mean, to me, that's not responsible leadership. And, you know, stakeholders who are doing that are really not doing their organization. Um, you know, they're just, they're just not serving their organization's best interest by doing that. And that's my opinion based on my experience. Okay, and last question. Uh, what happens to items left on a backlog which have not been completed but don't form enough story point for a sprint? What happens to items that are left in a backlog that wasn't committed uh, to by the team? Well, it's up to the product owner at that point in time. What do they want to do with those things? Should, I mean, is it going to add customer value? I, I don't know. And so that's the question that the product owner needs to look at in the backlog and says, okay, what do we, what do, we do with this work? Do, is it really necessary? And if it is, then, you know, they asked the team and said, here, here's the priority of the work to be done. Go get that done. Um, and you let me know, you know, how much effort and activity um, it will take to complete that work. So as you can see, it's not, it's a community. It's an ecosystem, right? You have stakeholders, your product owners, scrum masters, and other teams working together to provide a value, whether it's software, whether it's um, a medical device, you know, whatever it is that's being produced. Um, you need that level of collaboration and teamwork to get things done. That's it for questions. All right, that's it for questions. Good. So let me tell you about um, an organization that, one of my organizations called knowledgeshare.org. Um, we're out there, we're providing new knowledge, um, training, coaching, um, trying to help people to take ideas from concept to cash. Um, check out knowledgeshare.org. Actually, it's the place that I also blog. And so a lot of the questions that you pose today, you know, sometimes I take them and throw it back, throw them out there and, and provide a different twist as a response. So you could get out to knowledgeshare.org and look for knowledgeshare with Dr. Dave, uh, as I think that's the, or the blogging link. And you could really just get in there and start sharing your own ideas and concept, or even posing more questions if you want to. Um, just finished my agility leadership um, card. Um, so these cards are learning cards for leaders, for things to look at. They can be used for in, in many different ways. Um, if you're a scrum master, you can use it for planning. If you're a presenter, you can use it as um, an icebreaker for topics. If you're doing lean coffee, um, it could also be there for topics and um, retrospective meetings, just having dialogue. Um, so, you know, we have these cards that I produce here. This is volume number three. You should check them out. It's, you know, nominal cross to get one. So just go to agilityleadership.com to get that information. Uh, my book is um, Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way. Uh, this is um, available on Amazon. Um, also, I am maybe two months away from finishing my next book, which is... Um, you know, something that I call elastic minds. And then hopefully uh, when that come out, I mean, I'll probably start 
pinging you guys to see if you guys are interested to start doing a pre-order on that book, get an early copy. I run a nonprofit where we teach um, high school students agility and innovation. We teach them technology this past summer. We gave them insights into doing mobile application development. And we also taught them how to start a business and how to build resumes and be prepared for the job market. So we work with high school students doing that. And it's called fivesaturdays.org. Please feel free to go and donate. We're trying to stand up a, another location in another city. Um, you know, your support would be really helpful. Also, you could come out and check out my podcast and grokshare.com or find me on Nileshare with Dr. Dave on iTunes and Google Play as well. Um, just feel free to go to nileshare.org, um, tw tweet with us on Twitter at, at Nileshare and blog with us at nileshare.org. Um, coming up next month, we're talking about um, the, the teams now. Um, so we went from the product owner, we we're going went to the scrum master. Now we're going to talk about the team and how they take ownership of deliverables for September. Um, so feel free to register for that opportunity. And Alexa. And that's all we have for today. We'd like to thank Dr. Dave for a great seminar. And of course, thank our audience for your time as usual. And we hope to have you on board for our next webinar. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you, Alexa.